He alone is worthy. Lord, we worship you. We exalt you, Lord. We humble ourselves in your presence, God. Lord, you alone are worthy. As we were singing that song, that second song, and I just, I just heard that line, he's my living hope. Jesus, my living hope. And as I was just singing that, I heard the Lord say, you live in hope. That you live in hope. That if he's my living hope, then you actually get to live in hope. And, and the line that said, the grave has no claim on me. And as I was just worshiping and praying and hearing that we live in hope and that the grave has no claim on us, I was thinking about all the things that are associated with the grave, like the mourning and the, and the sorrow and the sadness and the, and the regret and the dreams cut short and, and all of the things that the grave brings into thought. And I just felt like God wanted to say to somebody, that the grave has no claim on you. The sorrow has no claim. The regret has no claim. The shame, the what if has no claim on you. The grave has no claim on you because He's your living hope and you get to live in hope this very second. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Gospel. Thank You for Your, for your resurrection power. Thank You that You are a living hope. You're not dead. You're not gone. You're not in the grave. And if you're really alive, then we actually get to live in hope. We get to celebrate day in and day out that we have hope in you and you alone. That you're worthy. You're worthy alone, God. So I just declare today that anything that the grave has tried to lay claim to, I pray that this morning, God, supernaturally, you would destroy any claim the grave has on anyone's emotions, on anyone's mind, on anyone's heart, on anyone's dreams, or anyone's expectations, God. I thank you, Lord, that we live in hope because you're our living hope. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, would you give God praise if you receive that word this morning? Come on, we live in hope. We live in hope. Come on, if you're online, you get to live in hope because he's the living hope. Look at three people before you grab your seat and say, man, I got hope. Look at somebody else and say, I'm a hope dealer. I'm hope, I hope you guys are hope dealers today. And uh, I'm so excited that the grave has no claim on who we are and on what we walk in. And sometimes I just think it's easy to believe that the grave has won when we see circumstances and face things in our life. And so I never thought of that, that the grave has certain things associated with it. So just take that for what it might be for you. And uh, welcome to Transformation Church this morning. It's so good to be in the house of God. You guys glad to be in, in God's house this morning? Man. Jesus is here and anything can happen. It's about him and him alone. He's the one worthy of all praise and honor. And uh, we lift him up. The Bible says if we lift him up that all people would be drawn to him. And so we're going to continue to lift him up today. And uh, we don't gather around tradition. We don't gather around philosophy. We don't gather around great principles. The Bible has a lot of great principles. We don't gather around that. We gather around a person. His name is Jesus. He's alive. And uh, I believe he's here with us. And so a couple things happening today. We have plugged in. I know some of you have heard of that. Some of you haven't. But it's in our cafe behind this building. Just a, a time to hear about our vision, values, and, 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 the, and the mission of our church. If you're new and you kind of want to get plugged in and figure out more, 1130, right after this service, 1130. We've got child care. We'd love to have you over there and let you know a little bit about our church and see if this is the place for you. And then uh, come on, ladies. Uh, the 6th, this Friday, 630 p.m., She Night. 
She speaks like, you don't want to miss it. We got a, an amazing speaker coming in from Colorado. Uh, I believe Colorado or, or uh, Colorado. Yeah, thank you. And um, we actually support her brother named Micah McKelvin. Uh, he uh, r- runs Vapor Ministries, and you'll probably continue to hear more about that. But uh, you are making a difference. Every time you give here, uh, portions of your money go to planting churches and touching the world all over this planet. And so I just want to encourage you that uh, you're making a difference. And, and uh, so Micah's sister will be in on she night, and uh, you don't want to miss it. Come on, some of the guys will be helping serve you all and pampering you all. And so come on, it would be good to, just to have some guys uh, taking care of you all. So hang out and come for that. Let's jump into a new series today. We're starting a series called Made for the middle made for the middle we're going to go through that this whole entire month and um just looking at uh some of the instances in the bible where people were kind of in the middle where where we were made to be in the middle that there's some things that we face in the middle that god really wants to use in our life you and i were made for the middle specifically right now of all times going into an election moment come on and 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 everything that's trying to pull to to every direction God says that we're made for the middle. And what does that even look like? Let me give you a couple scriptures about Jesus. I'm just going to give you two verses today, very simple verses, and then preach to you for a minute, and then hopefully the Holy Spirit will do what he needs to do in our heart and our life. Matthew 27, 38 says this, Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. John 19, 18 recounts the same, the same thought, says it a little different. There they crucified him, and with him, two others. One on each side, and Jesus in the middle. And Jesus in the middle. Tell several people, Jesus is in the middle. Tell somebody else, Jesus, do it better than that, Jesus is in the middle. Simple title for today is this, Jesus meets you in the middle. 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 Father, thank you so much for the middle. Even though we don't love it, we don't like it, even though there are certain things about it that aren't easy, that you were in the middle. You were in the middle on the cross. I ask you to show up in the middle of whatever it is we're in today. Show up in the middle today. Do your work, the only work that you can do. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus so we can become more like him. Jesus, show us the Father so we can know him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus meets you in the middle. When the pandemic hit in in late February, I think early March, I think at the end of February it began to hit. And I was in Colorado with a group of pastors. There was about 20 of us. And we were suffering for Jesus in a a ski-in, ski-out resort in Breckenridge, Colorado. How many know that would have been a good place to get quarantined? We were all praying to be quarantined. We'd been gone for about six days, but we knew our wives would hate us if we got quarantined there. And so we were uh, hanging out. And then by the end of the trip, the last two days were really ruined because the news started hitting about the pandemic and we were all really concerned and we were thinking about the just all that that entailed and what, what does this even mean for society and for church and, and 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 how do we lead as pastors and what do we say and and just all that was going on and we roundtabled and began to uh, pray for each other and get ideas for for what God was going to do in, in this pandemic little did we know that that we would face all that we would face in the middle of this and 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 the scary thing was I had to fly back and this was before anybody knew about COVID before anybody knew about really face masks and all this stuff all we had seen is like World War Z 
outbreak. You know what I'm saying? So we're in the airport, and I'm, we're sitting, and look, like everyone is just staring at each other, like waiting for blood to come out of people's eyes and orifices. You know, we're just, we don't know. And so you're just kind of staying back. You're staring. You're, ups, you're freaking out a little bit. You're, and I don't even like airports and germs and airplanes anyway like that much. And so you're just suspicious about everybody staring them down. There's no distancing on the plane. You're crammed into an aisle. There's several things I hate about planes. One is the stewardess making you put your seat back in the upright position as you're asleep before it takes off. This is unsafe. This is safe. Unsafe, safe. Makes no sense. Don't wake me up to do that. It's ridiculous. I hate that. Don't like crying babies on airplanes. I will talk to you. If you're hitting my seat with your child, if your child is hitting my seat, I will talk to you. But the worst thing that I try to avoid of all things, I get online, I research, I figure out where I'm going to purchase a seat. I'm going to be in the aisle seat or I'm going to be in the window seat. At all costs, I avoid the middle seat. At all costs. The aisle's fine. I can put my legs out. I can get up and go where I want to go. The, 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 the window is, is okay. It's not, it's not as good as the aisle, but the window's okay because I can lean up against the window. I can look at clouds. I can hang out. I can take pictures. I can see what I want to see, and I can just kind of sleep up against the window away from everyone else. But the middle seat, I mean, God, the middle seat is like purgatory. It's your waiting. for you don't, It's not your seat. You don't know about the armrest. You have battles. There should be a written rule that the middle seat gets both armrests, and that's the rule because you're stuck in the middle. I get both armrests. But you're playing psychological push games with the people next to you. Like, can I get half of it? I'm going to shove a little bit. I'm going to put a little bone into you. I feel it. I'm going to, bone, I'm, I'm going to nudge you a little bit. I'm going to get the, the armrest. And you begin to try to fight. And it's really not. You're, they take the armrest. And then you don't have a seat. You're really stuck like this in the middle the whole time. I'll pay $100 not to sit in that seat. The reality is most of our faith, most of the Christian life is lived out in the middle, lived out in the seat, lived out in the midst of tension and frustration, lived out amongst the world pulling and pushing at you for certain things in your life. And the reality is we wonder somehow, how do we live in the tension of the middle? Jesus is on the cross crucified between two thieves, the Bible says. In the middle, there's this frustration, there's this stretching, there's this pushing, there's this pulling, and the real you and I comes out in the middle. The real you comes out in the middle. When you're stretched, when you're pulled, when you're pushed, the real me comes out in the middle. Jesus is on this cross, stretched in the middle. He's, he's got tension. He's got stretching. He's got bleeding. He's got brokenness. What's coming out of him? Blessing. Prayer for each other. Forgiveness. I forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. John, behold your mother. Mother, behold John. He's, he's, he has these things coming out of him, and there's this, there's this tension to stay in the middle. Jesus stays up on the cross. One thing looks at him and says, if you're God, come down from there. I mean, I mean, all of the world is trying to pull at us to get out of the middle. This, is this pertinent to anybody right now? If you're, if you're God, one thief begins to revile him and say, if you're really God, if you're really the Messiah, get down from there and get us down and get out of the middle of this thing and come down from there. And Jesus decides not to get out of the tension and the pressure and the stretching that you and I were actually made for the middle. We're made to be stretched and to, be, to have tension and growth in our life from that middle spot. You and I were made for the middle and Jesus shows up in the middle. That's where he hangs out, no pun intended. In the middle. 
he's, he's in the middle. We want to get out of the middle so often, but we were made for it. One thief says, come down. The other thief, what does he say? He says, hey, we deserve to be up here. Quiet. To the other thief, he says, we deserve it. He somehow discerns his divinity or discerns his, his, his innocence at least and says, hey, 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 we were made for this. So, so, you know, we know you weren't. You're innocent. So when you enter your kingdom, will you remember me? And all of a sudden, Jesus says, today, surely you'll be with me in paradise. And there's like this salvation moment where he says, you're going to join me in paradise. Jesus is in this salvation moment. He moves in this specific moment. But you need to write this down. Paradise is a process. Paradise is a process. You and I are made for the middle. Jesus shows up in the middle. Jesus didn't come down out of the tension of the middle. And he expects you and I to be made for that same spot, that same tension. And he shows up in here, paradise. This guy went to paradise with him immediately. You and I on this planet, we think paradise is like right now. God, I want out. Make everything perfect right now, God. Why am I still acting like this right now, God? And, and paradise is a process. God is in the process. God moves in the process. We pray, rightfully so, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But we think that means everything's worked out. What that really means is you get the middle seat. <laughs> thy kingdom come. Okay, you're getting assigned the middle seat. God, do something in my life. We're going to put you in the middle. We're going to put some tension in your life. All the world is fighting for the armrest, and you're crying out cramped right now. I don't know about you, but I've been crying out cramped in some areas in my life. And when all the world is fighting for, for every bit of, of what might be restful in your life, we've got to understand that the tension is a process, that change is a process, that, that paradise is a process. My wife and I went to the Bahamas, a, I don't know, a year and a half ago. It feels like five years ago, doesn't it, babe? Can we go back, sweetie? Paradise is with you, sweetheart. We... We were in the Bahamas in paradise. I mean, the bluest oceans all around, the beautiful, most beautiful sand, be uh, just the weather, everything. Our kids are having fistfights over pizza. <laughs> the boat driver gave one of my kids maybe two beers. We're not sure how many. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are like, I'm, that's, that's the devil. Well, yeah, he, maybe he was, you know, but my son liked it. You know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we found out after the trip, you know, uh, we, we're having, I mean, we're, we're, the, we got the whole entire paradise and my kids wanted to be on their phones and my wife and I are fighting about how much TV time and how much phone time they can have and we're trying to drag them out to the ocean and get in the water, it's paradise. <laughs> my son's mad at me right now. Like four minutes of the ocean and they got their fill of paradise. You know what I mean? My point is paradise is a process. Like paradise is all around, but we're still in this process of figuring out life and figuring out relationships and figuring out what God wants and how to relate to one another. And sometimes we think it's this instant fix. Jesus, paradise. He's like middle seat. There you go. The tension and the pull. And I just want to encourage you right now. Don't quit because you're in tension. Don't walk away because you're in tension. Don't walk away because there's a pull on your life. Don't, don't, don't stop walking. Listen, the tension. Think about tension in your life. The middle, Jesus is stretched in the greatest tension that he could ever imagine. And he chose not to get out of it. So often we choose to just run when there's tension. To quit when there's tension. Don't when there's tension, when you're being pulled. God is, wants to do something. God is working in the middle of the tension. 
I mean, think about it, the tension. If, if, if a trampoline had no tension, you ain't bouncing nowhere. If, if there was no, no tension on a guitar, there'd be no music. If there's no tension on the strings, there's no, no, no music, nothing beautiful. A bow and arrow, many of you, if you're hunters, you know how it works. I mean, the more tension that's put on the string, the further the string is pulled back. The harder that the string is pulled back, the further that it goes, the, the farther the arrow gets to fly. God is having you in a moment right now where many of you are like, why do I have so much tension in my life? Why am I being stretched? Why am I being pulled? Because God's saying, I actually want to shoot you into some destiny and purpose in your life. And I want to get you further than you ever could have got without the tension in your life. You were made for the tension. Jesus shows up in the tension. Come on, your marriage is made in the tension. A Christian grows in the tension. You, you, you figure out who you are in the tension. In the pull of whatever, whatever you're facing right now, you know what you're made of in the middle of the tension. A lot is happening in the middle spot. You might think like nothing's happening. You're made for this spot. And here's what happens. This whole message is about you fighting for faith in the middle of the tension. In the middle seat of wherever you have, are, are sat right now, wherever God has assigned you, that you need to fight for faith to stay in the middle. We need change. We need growth. We need, we need healing. We need restoration. We need a lot of things. But it only happens if we stay in the middle and allow God to do it. And a lot of times we get saved and a lot of what's coming out of us isn't, doesn't seem like salvation and paradise. It's because paradise is a process. And we begin to allow God to do some things in our life. And we're like, oh, wow, I thought I was further in that. But here I need to work on this. And God, okay, do that in me and work in me. And, and, and Jesus shows up in that place. Here, here's a verse. I love this verse as I was studying this out about God showing up in the middle. Exodus 3, verse 2, it says this. Uh, there the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus, the angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Talking about, Joe, uh, talking about Moses. God shows up in the middle of the bush and it says this, Moses stared in amazement though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is a picture of frustration and fire and failure burning all around and God's in the middle of it and the bush doesn't burn up. It's a picture of God's grace that even though there's judgment on failure and hurt and fear, there's this fire of judgment, but it's not burning up. Your, your chances aren't over that God's still saying there's grace, there's grace and his voice shows up in the middle of your failure, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your frustration and begins to speak to you out of that place. And God's speaking to Moses and and Moses has these four questions in the, in the messy middle. Listen, we all have four questions, same four questions that Moses had. Four questions he asked God, same questions I've asked God in the middle of this messy moment right now, in the middle of the moments I've been in, the same questions that you're probably asking God in some of your moments. The first thing he asked God, he says, who am I, God? Who am I? Do you know that the middle moments and the tension of the middle declares and, and defines who you are in such a way? That God actually helps begin to reveal who you are in the middle moments of this growth and this tension in your life. And, and I wrote it down this way. Your test isn't meant to destroy you. It's meant to define you. So often we think we go through stuff to destroy us. And the reality is God's just actually showing you and defining you and redefining you and working some things into your heart and working some things into your life. But if we don't, if we don't stay in the tension, if we don't stay at that place, then God can't do all he wants to do. God, I thought you were doing this in my life. God, I thought I was prepared. He's like, no, it's a process, baby. I'm still working on you. And I, and I think some of you might feel like you're being destroyed, but God's just saying, no, 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 you're being defined. Who am I, God? Who am I in the middle of this? And 
I think we need to allow God to define some things in our life right now. Who are you, God? Second question. Who, who am I, God? And then Moses says, who are you, God? Who are you? I think oftentimes in the middle of a, of a messy moment, in the middle of a tension, in the middle of pain, in the middle of growth processes, we say, who are you, God? God, what in the world? Why, where are you? Who are you really in my life? God, what is happening? God, you gave me this child, but now they're a teenager in their middle years, and I'm not sure if they're mine. Check the DNA, God. You gave me this spouse, God, and gave me this promise, but we're about 15 years in. We're into the middle. And God, it's a little tougher than I thought it was going to be, God. I'm not sure. Who are you in this, God? Did you really promise this? God, you gave me this job, but it ain't going so well. God, you gave me this business, but the money's funny, and I don't know what to do right now, Jesus. Who are you, God? He's saying, man, I'm God. There is no other. I'm God. There's none like me. I'll make known the end from the beginning. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. I am God. I'm in charge. I've got it. I've got you. And he wants, here's the thing about the middle. God proves himself, reveals himself, and actually introduces himself to you in new ways in those moments when you're in the middle. He shows who he is and says, oh, wait, you know what? I got this. I'm going to give you mercy and, and bless you. Aren't, you. aren't you glad Jesus didn't get off the middle? Glad that he didn't climb. Everything, everything yelled at him to climb out of the middle. Come on down. The Pharisees yelled at him to get out of the middle. The thief yelled at him to get out of the middle. Come off of there. Come down if you're God. And he stayed stretched in tension in between the pain and the hurt and all God intended. Listen, God's revealing to some of you who he is right now in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this voting season, in the middle of all that you're going through. I just want you to not run. Be comfortable in the tension. It's not easy. God will show up and show off and tell you who he is. I don't know if you were here for an encounter. I'm gonna, I don't know how I was going to share this um, because half the room experienced it and half didn't. But many of you were here for encounter night uh, last Sunday night. And, I, and I've never, listen to me, I've, I've never, woo, come on, encounter night. <laughs> I don't want to run past that. Woo, I'm not running past that. Yeah, and, and at encounter night, um, we were worse. We just, listen, we're just getting back to Jesus. We're just, we just need to be at his feet and let a prophetic environment be, be charged with his presence. And, and just, I was just on my face, and we're worshiping. And there was probably about 50 or 60 people in the room, I think. I don't know, 50 people. And I've never, I know our church, we sing out, but you never, you never really hear, you know, it's hard to hear all the voices. It's not mic'd up and all that. And so I'm on my face right here singing, and the, and the worship pastor shifts. His name is Matt Lynch, a friend of ours, and he, he shifts into a song called Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. He just starts singing, Holy Spirit, You're Welcome Here. I'm on my face, and all of a sudden it sounds like the entire room behind me is, is singing and cheering, like, like this, this, and I'm like, man, there's not enough, is everyone, y'all, you're shaking your head, listen, listen, there wasn't enough people in this room to make that noise, there was, and I don't, I don't tell you this stuff lightly, I didn't even know if I was going to tell you, but as I was preparing my sermon, God said, I need you to share it, talking about when we're in the middle, and in the tension, and in the growth, and in the pain, God shows us who he is, right, and so, so we're worshiping, I'm on my knees, I hear it so loud, I'm like, is that, is everyone shouting behind me, 
is everyone singing right now behind me? But I'm like, there's not enough people in this room to be doing that. It's not, it's not possible. So I don't know anything else to do but walk up here. And I get up here, and I literally said, guys, I don't understand this, but does anyone else hear the sound of a stadium cheering? And like half the room heard it. People were like, I hear it. I hear it. The worship team's pulling their inners out because this, this, this vocals, these, these backup singers, 15 and 20 of them, Trey was hearing them singing. And we're like, where is it? They're singing too early. That's off cue. And something, they're singing like that. And then somebody left for an errand and came back to go. They went to get coffee because we didn't have any yet. Come on, somebody. And, and they came back in. As they walked back in the room, he was like, did someone turn a stadium crowd noise on? Come on, we don't go that far. We got some fog, but we ain't faking the crowd, somebody. <laughs> and, 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 and he walked in, and he goes, man, there sounds like a stadium. And, and, I, and he goes, but there's not enough people in here to be making that noise. About half the room heard something, and half didn't, and we couldn't really discern it. I really, the Holy Spirit, as I was speaking, he said, that's the cloud of witnesses from heaven cheering you on. I've never experienced it in my entire life. And I, I just want to say to you, look, I, I, it wasn't just me. I ain't making it up. Like, you can talk to people, they were here. Uh, but the reality is God is cheering you on in the tension and in the middle of what you're facing right now, in the middle seat. God is cheering you on from heaven. He doesn't always break in the room and make it audible, but he did the other night. And so come on, Jesus. We love you, Lord. The next one. Moses asks, what if they, who, are, who am I, God? Who are you, God? What if they, 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 what if God? You know, we're so worried about they and them and what if they and what if they. Moses is like, what if they? Who cares what they think about you? What does God think about you? I mean, we got so much stuff telling you who to vote for and where to vote and how to live and how to give and how to, how to believe. Come on, what does God say how to do all that? What does God say about how to vote? What does God say about how to live? What does God say about how to give? What does God say about how to serve? What does God say? What does his word say? We're so concerned about society and what he says and how we're supposed to believe. What does God say? I just want to encourage you, man. I'm fired up today because my message isn't that long. <laughs> What does God say? God, what if they, can I just encourage you, whatever tension, whatever fight, whatever, whatever seat you find yourself in the middle right now, whatever you're being pulled to, come on, whatever uncomfortable scenario that you feel like, man, I can't believe I'm in it, what does God say? What is God speaking to us and to you? And the last, the last one, Moses says, God, I, I have never, I've never, I've never. I've never, I've never done anything like this before. And many times when we get into frustration and tension and the pull and the pain, we're like, God, I've never been through anything like this. A lot of us in this year have never been through anything like this. God, I've, I've never been hurt like this. I've never done anything like this. I've never, I've never had to walk here before. I have never. I don't, God, you want me to do this? I have never. God, I have never. When I was 12 years old, my dad made me eat sushi. I had never. I had never. He put eel. He, of all things, he started with eel. I'm 12. In the Denver airport, we're going to have sushi, son. I'm eat, I'm, he's making me. He makes me eat it. I'm eating. I'm like, eh. 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 That gag, come on, anybody that gag. Uh. I'm going to make some of y'all throw up right now. Uh. <laughs> uh. I'm gagging. Uh. 
You know what? I love sushi right now in my life. Some of y'all are gagging on stuff. God's making you taste right now. And it's eh, and it's eh. But the reality is one day you're going to be like, thank you for making me taste that. I know I didn't understand it. I know I didn't get it. I know I didn't, I didn't want to go through it. But you know what? It's a delicatessen to me now because I've grown up in some things in my life. And I think so often we don't want to taste it and we don't want to go through the tension, but I have never, I know you've never, but God's in the middle of it, of it with you. Joshua 3, 17, and I'm going to close. Joshua 3, it says this, Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, that's the presence of God, that's Jesus, that's, that's who God has stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. I was just reading that again this morning. Three and a half million people. Three, probably three million, a million and a half to three million. Think about this. They stood there until the whole nation passed. How long did they have to stand there? How long did they have to stand in the middle with God's presence? How long did they have to hold back the waters? How long did they have to be in the middle position? I mean, it must have been days on end that they stood there in the middle of a fearful moment, in the middle of these waves and this winds and the waters separated. But I'm here to tell you that God meets you in the middle, in the middle of the flood, in the middle of the waters, in the middle of the concern. The presence of God stands in the middle and makes sure you get to where you need to be. And we see God showing up in the middle. God is in the middle. Don't quit in the middle. The challenge for you and I and where most people lose the battle is in the middle. We're not where we used to be. We're not where we want to be. And we lose faith in the middle. And God's just saying keep walking and keep believing. And He never promised you no opposition. He actually promised you opposition. And if he showed you all that was going to happen in the middle, you would have opted out for his best. You would have said, I don't want it. I want less than his best. You would, come on. How many of you, when you see it's a middle seat, you're paying extra money to get out of that seat? Come on, somebody. I will pay. If you knew what God had for you this year, you'd have paid to get out of it. And, and God's saying, no, 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 I can't show you everything because I need your faith to kick in. I need you to turn your gaze upward. I need you to begin to look ahead. I need you to begin to see me that I'm on the throne. Come on, Chris, would you help me out? I've got, I got, I got some, some guys that are going to help me out real quick. Here's how to survive the middle. Here's what I need you to do. We got a, we got a tug of war somewhere. It's supposed to be in one of these seats right here. I don't know where, the, where it went. Ah, come on, baby. This, this, is, this is where we are in society right now. This is what's happening. You know tug of war. All of y'all know. This is uh, uh, just a, a, a normal tug of war rope with a little string that's in the middle. Come on, you guys don't, don't hurt each other with this, okay? But this, this, is, this is society right now. This is the world right now. This is the voting season right now. This is the racial season right now. This is the economic season right now. This is, the, the, the key, this is church in a lot of ways right now. This is, this is people right now. And, and what happens is when you do tug of war with someone, what, the star like the guy like me they're both on each side ready to pull ready to get the armrest ready to get their side ready to win ready to figure out how they're right and then pull and so the minute that I say go you can usually when it's in a real tug of war they're already starting to put tension on the rope right you ever been in a tug of war the guys are already pulling a little bit come on give a little tension to it yep and they're already and the person in the middle has got to kind of kind of keep it right there in the middle and not let them start to pull this thing and not let them try to start early and get a head start and so so I'm holding it and then on three I'm like ready Set, go. And they actually play tug of war. 
and, I, and, 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 and then I'm getting pulled in whatever direction. And God's saying, I'm actually made for the middle and I'm holding on to the middle, but I'm getting pulled in every single direction that they're pulling. Who's right and, and, and who's wrong and, and, and who wins and whose opinion is louder and who can say more on, on social media and who can, and who can express every, more of this and more of that. And, we're just, and here's what's happening. I'm getting pulled and we're getting pulled as Christians in every single direction. And the only way to survive the middle is by worshiping. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way to put it in God's hands and worship Him. And from this point, listen to me, the only way to impact the two ends that are pulling at each other is to worship. To put your hands in the air. Begin to worship God. And then hopefully... Hopefully, the people that are pulling will see the example of worship to the middle of the king who sits on the throne. And as we worship him, he sits above it all. He sits above the election. He sits above the earth. He sits above the races. He sits above the economy. He sits above all platforms. And we would worship him. And maybe these two would put down the rope. And maybe you'd stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Maybe you're in tension right now. And maybe... Maybe you just need to put your hands in there. We're going to go back into a, a worship moment. we got six minutes left in here. I just pray some of you are in so much tension, you won't even admit it, but you know it. And maybe that you could just put the rope down and you could let go of the tension. And I know we're made for the middle, but the only way to survive the middle as a believer right now is to let go of the rope. Begin to focus on God. Come on, would you just do that with me right now for a minute? Come on, let's worship Jesus for a few minutes.